Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hello everyone, welcome back to Real The Bruce Podcast. Um, you, I bet you didn't think you were going to get another one, but here you are. And it's another one with a with a very special guest. Anybody that has used the internet, I would say for longer than TikTok has been around, will definitely know this man and know him very well. He's a, you're, you're a, there's, there's a lot of love in the Tottenham community for you, Dan Lowe. How are you doing, mate? No, there isn't. That's there is. There is. Flattering and big if true, but probably not true. I would say you are definitely a legend in the kind of Tottenham online sphere. So forgotten, largely forgotten, cranky recluse. I think that's my um, <laughs> reputation. In as much as I have one. <laughs> well, did you, so? Did you see the the other day after you posted from Marseille? You tweeted from Marseille. I did a cheeky little quote tweet saying like, "Went to Marseille, difficult place to go," and a lot of people, you know. They knew it, mate. They knew, they got the reference. So it, it would have been a. It would have actually. I mean, it's one of the. Um, it's one of the many European trips. It's. I was thinking about it the other day that um, that we've had the Champions League final and the run to the Champions League final since we sort of stopped doing away days, and so much more has happened. Like such a much more interesting kind of club to support, and 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 it's you know, it has been a mad few years, and to think none of that kind of got documented. Really, although I will say, and I'm not sure if I've ever said this before, I think I might have said it on Fine Cop, but I can't remember. Um, there are quite a few lost episodes of uh, Away Day that I basically shot and edited and then didn't release. Was that just a, an artistic temperament thing? or No, I mean, they normally were games that we lost, like, in a shit way. <laughs> and... <laughs> So, so for example, there is um, Newcastle. You know the the famous five one defeat at the end of the season when we were challenging Leicester for the title, and then Arsenal beat us in the final day of the season. And it was that game where um, they had, they went down to ten men, uh, and then we were lost five one on the final day of the season against relegated Newcastle. So that was filmed as an away day, and I've often thought like that would have been. I don't know why I didn't finish it. Just wasn't really feeling it. I wasn't in the mood. I was too busy at work. Um, but that that was um, that that was documented. I mean, it, and, it, it, um, it's quite a miserable thing to work on, right? To invest <laughs> a considerable amount of your free time into a game like that and a situation like that when there was so much promise and you know not winning the league and then not even coming second 
to Arsenal as well in the last game of the season. I can kind of and we hadn't done any in that season at all, uh, and and that was just going to be the sort of like you know this is all the stuff that's happened since then. It was going to be quite philosophical about you know us trying to get used to the idea that Tottenham were finally good and we'd almost won the league, which is something that which we, we actually that season we hadn't almost won the league, but it had felt at various points like we like we we were going to. Um, uh, and um, yeah, I don't know. I, just, I, I when I started kind of cutting it together, that game hit me very hard. Like I normally, I'm kind of on the whole, I never kind of go, I can't do this anymore. Um, I never, I never say that because I always feel supporting Tottenham is essentially kind of always the same. It always fulfills the same. You know, I'm, I'm always very broadly happy with the product, <laughs> and I'm happy. I'm happy with where it is in my life. I always feel like I never feel ripped off. I, you know, I don't really feel angry at the owners no matter how much they screw me over. Uh, and I don't feel so angry at the team or the players that I kind of can't bring myself to still go, you know, every week. But that game did make me genuinely think of flipping the car on the A1 and putting me <laughs> into him in hospital. There's <laughs> been some decent material, I guess, mate. You know, that's one, one, yeah, way, to, I mean, that, one way to bring an end to a way, day. You know, like, yeah, it would have been. I mean, it would have been funny for everyone else, but our family would have been um, irritated at, at least. They at might least have been right. irritated. They might have seen the, the, the banter in it, you know. Yeah, well, maybe I'll still cut it together like seven years on, however, however many however many years on, and um, uh, I'll give it a yeah, I'll give it a go. Maybe it'll still work. But also Marseille away in the Champions League uh, a couple of years later, that one where we played really badly, where Mbappe was playing for them, and Hugo saved a penalty, and Hugo was out of this world in that game. I did that as well, and that um, wasn't turned into anything. Um, and it, I, that one actually would have been all right because um, Marseille, it helps if the play, Monaco rather, it's not Monaco, it's Marseille. Monaco is kind of a sort of weirdly fascinating place. And I think when you're going to sort of strange and interesting places, um, it, you know, they definitely make for interesting videos. Um, and Marseille would have done that as well. Marseille was an interesting and odd place and was a much more extreme version of, you know, going away to Europe. There must have been times like Amsterdam, where it's probably nice not to be making something there and just to absolutely 100%. bask in that, you know? 100%, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, I actually, I liked on the whole editing them together and they taught me effectively how to edit and, and and you know, sort of tell stories and, and you know, they, they taught me how to do my sort of day job a lot better, really, than I kind of could do before. But, um, but I think if I'd been doing the Champions League on the way to the Champions League, it just took the joy out of it because because you're you don't really view the game and and you don't really get the feel for what's going on and you can't really soak up the atmosphere when you're viewing things through a screen and you're taking lots and lots of photos and um, yeah the, the Champions League you feel more connected to it and I, I think being in Amsterdam that night was like anything that would have taken away from what we felt that night which you know it was the most extreme emotional night of my life the quarterfinal was pretty mad as well. Um, but uh, but yeah, anything that would have taken away from that wouldn't have been good. You should uh, you remember how Wu Tang Clan a few years ago they just sold an album not for public consumption to some sort oh, just, of sh- just, shady just millionaire. To Mar- yeah, it was to Martin Shrekley, wasn't it? <laughs> the farmer sort of, guy, the farmer yeah, bro, yeah, yeah farmer it? bro who ended yeah. up in jail. Yeah, he bought it. <laughs> he was like he looked like one of those little, like Twilight 
vampires, didn't he? Remember from the film? Yeah, he, yeah. he was a he's a strange dude. He went to jail in the end, didn't he? I think so. Yeah, he's he's. he's yeah. <laughs> All he was trying to do was you know make a few make a few bob, mate. He was an enterprising guy, you know. Give him yeah. a break. Um, but yeah, you could in this age of NFTs and stuff, just sell the away days lost tapes to somebody. See if you know. That's a little bit like those porn stars, though, who like, you know, the bottom has fallen out of porn and now they're just doing like kind of very specific references to one person and um, uh, and their fetish for cucumber, uh, cucumber sandwiches. I don't I don't really know what that is. I don't think that's a side of, of porn that I know that much about. Um, but John, I think John Ronson or someone did a, 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 did a podcast about it, I think, at one point. Yeah, he's he's got his series, uh, hasn't he? The, I can't remember the name, but it was a good one though. Um, let's talk about Spurs, mate. Let's let's, let's dive into this year. Um, we'll do a little kind of half season review thing. So I'll try and we'll keep it conversational, but I'll sort of break it down into right. you know the usual. What's your favourite? This? What was your best moment of that? Um, so first of all, I guess just overall, what do you? What have you made of Spurs? If you were to give them like a grade. Where would you where would you mark them and why? If it, if you're, you know, a schoolmaster, shall we say? I would uh, probably give them uh, a B, a B. I think. Um, I was really up on this season's prospects, particularly the end of last season, and I think the scales have fallen from my eyes a little bit. And what's weird is like all the people who were getting a bit disillusioned earlier in the season and kind of complaining about stuff, I've ended up being like them a little bit more than I thought I would be. I mean, I'm not booing Emerson Royale, obviously, but, um, but yeah, like, I, I, when Conte took over, and particularly the end of last season, I felt tactically for the first time, because I really don't understand tactics at all, even after all these years of watching football, <clears throat> haven't been to, I don't even know how many games, and haven't watched however much on telly. I've played football manager, for God's sake. But I don't understand tactics really at all. But Conte's the first manager where I'm like, okay, I see what's happening here. And I kind of thought like, this, I, I can actually read this. I can see what his game plan is. And when it works, you can't do anything about it. And then this season, particularly past about sort of the end of October, I've been like, all right, I can see what you're doing here. And... It's so easy to defend against. <laughs> just, you've got like, just don't keep doing the same two things. It's just come on. Um, but I do think we're, we're very well placed. I think we've been very unlucky with injuries, um, and um, yeah, I think I think we're not going to win the league. I think we're not going to win the league. But I think I think we should try. We've really got to progress a little bit from finishing fourth. Him getting us to fourth last season was amazing. But if we just get, say, fourth again, and that isn't guaranteed, um, then I'd feel a little bit like we were sort of spinning the wheels a little bit. I don't think we're going to win a trophy, but I think, you know, I'd like us to finish third or second, ideally. I don't think we will, but I'd like us to. I know exactly what you mean on kind of your expectations and your, I don't know, enthusiasm for it all is kind of curtailed a bit over the course of the season because well my enthusiasm hasn't hasn't curtailed I still love it I mean I god knows I've been to like we've watched some really drecky football this season that is like particularly in the first halves you know we and and we 
against Leeds, we we did win, and I'm you know I'm very pleased with that. And actually, it was a good performance overall in the end. But there was some borderline incompetent football going on there, which is just like wow, this is like the bad, the real bad old days. Um, and then it sort of turns around and we win four three. You know, we are spoiled. We've had last minute goal after last minute goal. We've had the reasons that we go to football so many times this season. It doesn't stop. We keep scoring last minute goals. You know, I'll never forget Marseille that trip for the rest of my life. And if we'd lost 1-0, I would have remembered it. And not had a shot on goal, I would have remembered it very differently. But that was drama, it was madness, it was that I can't believe what I'm watching. And we've had that so many times this season. And I think Conte will, as long as Conte continues to give us, you know, a bit more of that, I'm very very pleased. I I go to be sort of entertained to feel extreme emotions and to be reminded that life essentially is not fair. And I'm getting that in um, spades at the moment, so therefore I'm happy. We're we're an objective. My point was going to be that you know, there's a sort of there's an emotional kind of side to football, but really when you have basked in a defeat for a couple of days or a kind of shitty performance, you do have to just sort of look at where we are and think well, we're on an objectively good side, right? We're still we've won our Champions League group. We're there's a, a bit of daylight between us and the sort of the other big teams, if you like, outside of the top four. We're doing all right, you know. I think the, one of the things... We are, we, is, are, we are certainly doing all right, yeah. It's just annoying that we haven't beaten a big team this year. I think that's one of the things that's sort of hanging over it for me so far. Sort of lack of showing up against Arsenal, United. Chelsea, we were all right to be fair. Chelsea away at Stamford Bridge. I won't revise history on that. It was... It was, it was a good performance, you know. Well, maybe not a good performance, but it, it was a good spirit was. to come back, it was, right? very, it was very similar to a lot of games we've seen this season. We got completely out-muscled in the midfield. Um, it was kind of, you know, to only concede two against what, you know, it turned out was not a very good team. Um, you know, that that was... We rode our luck a fair amount, but that's what you do, um, particularly if you're a side that basically is kind of goes the distance and, and kind of counter-attacks the opposition into oblivion. Um, when, when the game has shifted and when they're on their heels... Um, you know, Conte, there's no one better at Conte than that uh, in, in world football than, than waiting for their game to become stretched and realising the, the areas where you can overload. And he needs the players in order to do that. You know, there's, there's Kulisevsky's the best, the best player in the Premier League at doing specifically that. You know, he will, um, he will send those centre-backs and the left-back just into madness. Like, they, they don't even know their own name by the end of the game. He just he he takes them to the cleaners, and seeing a player like that with a manager like that is you know is is spectacular. I'll, I'll remember Kulisevsky for years. I think. I mean, he is obscenely good, isn't he? I don't think anybody was really expecting him to be quite as good as he is. He there are things you could do against him early in the game that seem to not sort of like where he seems to not kind of quite um, get off to the races. And I think also we don't play attacking football from the start, so so there is that as well. Um, so, so the sort of you know he's he's just got to kind of conserve his energy or come on a sub, but there's lots of elements of this team where he's just kind of thought like you know at the end of last season he just thought I've never seen a Tottenham defence as good as this before. They don't concede any goals. They let in five goals in eleven games at the end of the season. That is ridiculous. That is league winning form. Um, if you've got a half decent strike force and we did, we were scoring loads of goals there. And I kind of just thought, God, we found it. Ben Davis. Romero and Dyer as a three, you can't beat it. And 
you can beat it quite hard, <laughs> quite a lot of the time. Quite often, yeah. <laughs> quite often. Several Eric, times a match. Eric Dyer, I feel like Eric Dyer's been through this cycle a few times as well, where you're just like, God, he is good, this bloke, isn't he? He's really good, he can do it all. Yeah. And then and then for like almost a year at a time, it's just like, oh my God, he's absolutely pony. Like all he could do is launch it long, give the ball away, get flat-footed turned by players who haven't scored a goal in months. Um, uh, yeah, and I think you know, I, I think this season Ben Davis has been our best defender, and I think that's I am a Ben Davis fan in as much as I don't think he's as crap as everyone seems to say he is. Oh, he's hugely he undervalued, right? Hugely, 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 hugely. But he's the player who's made the least mistakes this season in a in an accident prone back sort of five um, almost, and and I think he's um, you know he he is a he's a really good player, um, but. Uh, he probably isn't going to win the win you the league, but Dyer has regressed as much as any player I've seen from one season to the next. It's mad, isn't it? it like his 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 bottom, if you like, is is just so low. It's like you say, like the, <laughs> it's the, the such a low bottom. <laughs> the end of last year, like you say, I was thinking, oh, this is it. You know, he's come over. Whatever. I think he had a his spleen out or something like that. He had some long term health concern that he said was really kind of bringing him down that was affecting him mentally physically he'd gotten over that he was kind of fighting fit and you were looking at him thinking actually fucking hell he's a really good player and I'm kind of remembering that young player that broke through under Pochettino who had so much promise and this is it it feels like he's back on track again now but fucking hell the past three four games in particular just doing these sort of like these strange have you noticed like several times a game he keeps doing that strange little like no look header across goal the yeah. one that Salah caught him out on but he he's, he hasn't even learned from that it's yeah I don't know well also those little passes out from the back but across the six yard box which is like what when Romero put him in trouble for that crap goal against Frankfurt um, which Dyer got the blame for but which really was Romero's yeah. ball and I think like Romero this season it's impossible to sort of even really judge what has been going on with him, you know, how injured he really is, like kind of, you know, I, I think I think he is obviously injured. I think, well, I think he actually is a particular type of injured that is worse in some respects than being fully injured because he's constantly on the verge of injury and you're not sure whether to risk him or not. Having a strained adductor muscle that keeps tearing, I'm a runner, so I, I don't know that much about the human body, but I, I know a little bit about certain muscle groupings. And that is a that is a dodgy one. It does mean that you kind of can't play the game that you normally like to play, and you can see that with Romero this season. He he has been um, uh, he's he's been sort of playing within himself, and then sometimes going absolutely mad and doing those kind of full length sliding tackles in the box and winning the ball. Um, he I, I think injury is possibly going to prevent him from ever being quite being the player that we thought he is but in terms of talent like you know he's he's one of those ones he's like a he's like a sort of a bit like a sort of defensive Berbatov that when you just see him playing that position you're like well I've never seen that before yeah and it's just but, how, how far forward he comes all the time I really like that the way he can kind of push up and support the rest of the team it, it's mad but that I think that I think that sort of like ball playing centre half thing um, and attacking centre half, where you're basically asking your centre backs to do the jobs of midfielders to a certain extent, um, and to take some of that responsibility away, 
essentially for no other reason than really to just stretch the opposition and to give them something else to think about and, and to make them lose shape a bit quicker. Um, I think playing that, I, I think that is, that's ending up costing us a little bit. That's costing us at the back a little bit because the ball-playing players, which Longley obviously is, Dyer is like that, Romero is a little bit like that, they do sometimes tend to get caught a little bit flat-footed when they're up against quick wingers like Salah and Almiron. They do tend to get sold and and sent for a bag of chips in a way that a lot of other defenders <laughs> don't really. Uh, and I think quite a lot of our goals recently have just been like a little bit park. A lot of the goals we've conceded have been a little bit park football. And I wonder whether there's a link between that. It's like you know you can be a ball playing defender, but maybe you can't necessarily be that defensive rock as well. <laughs> that actually good a defender. Um, where are you at with Conte, mate? I'm interested to know what what are your feelings about him in in general and overall well, actually, and this season. I actually sort of love him, really. I mean, I think he's like you know he's entertaining, he's passionate, he's a little bit mad. He's kind of all, he he's got a lot of the stuff. Pochettino's a much more sort of sober personality, but he's got a lot of that sort of magnetic sort of you know connection um, with the fans that I like. Although he he sometimes gets so upset and angry with us that he blames us for 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 not winning. I mean, I, I went to Nottingham Forest to win the Carabao and um, and I and I being the bloke next to me were just sort of like listing all the things that we thought Conte was going to say at the end of the game, the excuses that he'd offer and he offered every single one of them. When I, when I read it, when I finally got back off the M1 at two in the morning. But um, I, I do think... I do think he has got a good team here. You know, he's, but I, I, the, my reservation about him is that he's always going to kind of like go, well, I haven't got the players, I haven't got the players, I haven't got the players, and I'm not being supported in that way. And that is meat and drink to certain Spurs fans because they'll always kind of go, oh, well, the manager wasn't backed and that's why it didn't work out. Mm. But elite managers who don't seem to succeed at Tottenham is an interesting phenomenon. And I think, you know, I don't think it's always because we're sending them out to fail. I don't think that was the case with Mourinho. Um, I think it's kind of stubbornness a lot of the time and I think it's also because you know not every manager succeeds in every single environment and it always tends to be at Tottenham that they come, come a bit unstuck but I, I, I'd, I'd want to keep him I mean I think at, you know the present the, the way things are going at the moment I, I, I definitely would want to keep him there's, there's things I'd like him to be a bit less stubborn about and and I think you know he's, he's his own worst enemy a little bit because you know everyone says this on podcasts it is true. Um, the reason the team's tired is because you aren't bloody playing the players yeah. on the bench. I mean, that that you spoke about the Carabao Cup game there. I, I, that to me was a particularly bizarre evening to just not chuck in a Hill or Jed Spence or somebody like that from the start. It just seemed really weird to me to kind of stick with the, the normal team that we'd seen in the Premier League. Well, it, it was neither here nor there. And then he kind of goes, oh, Harry Kane's tired. And it's just like, we, you made him tired. <laughs> You did this, like it's just like oh how how did this? it's like um, uh, have you ever seen I think you should leave on Netflix? I haven't actually no. Oh, it's very good. There's, there's a um, there's a there's a good sketch where this guy wearing a hot dog costume comes into a, um, a place where a hot dog car has just crashed into a Is this, wall. I've seen this meme, yeah. It's the, a meme, yeah. yeah. And he's like, we all want to find out who did this. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, yeah, Conte, I wonder who made Kane tired. Um, your hot dog suit wearing weirdo. Um, but but I think that was, he, he was sort of halfway between not trusting the bench 
uh, and kind of throwing the game. And it's like, do, you know, sort of just, just chuck young players in and give like Saar a go, give Brian Hill a bit more of a go. If we lose, it's fine. No one will be angry. Like, He's you know, very I, risk averse with that stuff, right? It's, I was just listening to one of the athletics kind of World Cup pods the other day and like the African football expert was talking about Saar playing for Senegal, saying he's one of the most exciting and like lauded young players that's come out of Africa in years. And they just find it bizarre that Tottenham won't give him any minutes at all. Mm. It, it seems strange that he's about to go and play in a World Cup and we won't even give him minutes in the Carabao Cup. It's, I don't know. I can't, I can't complain well, I, about it too much. Pochettino was very similar with this type of thing as well. Really. Well, that's, that is actually true because Pochettino would sign a player, then not really give him any minutes for a year. And then a year later, they would turn out to be kind of quite good. You know, Trippier was kind of like, I mean, almost yeah. all the players he ever signed were like that, but Trippier was certainly like that. Um, uh, and then he kind of got Endombele and Lacelso and was kind of out before they could turn out to be good, even though they didn't turn out to be good ever. <laughs> but um, but but yeah, I think I think there's he could be um, he could be experimenting a little bit more on, in certain other aspects. I think everyone kind of agrees with this, and you know, Jed Spence kind of seems to do all the things that Conte wants a, a fullback to do. Um, I mean, he must be a really, really, really terrible defender <laughs> because he's good, very good going forward. Do you, uh, do you, you back him in Jan, mate? That's do you like? Because is there any concern with you? The fact his contract is close to expiring. I think he's. I think we can extend it by another year out the back of this year. But he's 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 not ever that warm when there's talk about kind of his long term future at Tottenham. He sort of gives. I don't. I don't think he'll stay past the end of the statements. season. Do you I not? don't think he's going to stay past the end of the season. No, I don't. That's a that's I, a shout, mate. I think we'd have to win the win the league for him to sort of feel that um, that this is sort of something worth going and there's something worth building on. He doesn't stay anywhere for sort of that long. But I think you know, particularly with Juventus being in their situation, you know, they'll probably be done with Allegri. Um, actually, I'm not even sure who is manager of Juventus. It is, is it still Allegri. Is yeah, it's Allegri. Allegri. Yeah, but they're yeah, starting but to turn it around now. Yeah, which is probably why Conte's still at Tottenham. Um, but <laughs> I, I think, uh, but I don't know. I, I think, I think he, um, I think he's definitely assessing his options if he feels that it won't reflect that well on him. And if we say just finished fourth, didn't win any any trophies or, or anything like that, then I think he'll sort of you know kind of want to blame us. But yeah, you've got to back him. You got. I think the players that he wanted before, he still sort of needs now. I think he does need probably another attacking midfielder. He definitely needs a big kind of experienced central defender. He basically needs Bastoni or, or De Vries um, or someone else from Inter. Skriniar. Um, How do you pronounce Skriniar? Yeah, Skriniar. Skriniar. I mean, I, I studied Czechoslovakian history. I should be able to pronounce a Slovak name, um, but I can't. Um, but um, yeah, so I, I think I think those, that's what you definitely need. And maybe he needs a sort of kind of backup striker. But it's just interesting to see, like, it's not the players that we sign that necessarily are going to get us back to where we were down the stretch last season, which is a team that was almost unbeatable from sort of February or sort of early March onwards. It's the loss of form amongst the players who we know are talented and who aren't sort of really doing it anymore. So does Sun come back? You know, his loss of form and that as an attacking outlet and a source of kind of goals and a source of kind of stretching the opposition for much earlier on in the game um, uh, has been catastrophic for Conte and he's had to deal yeah. with that. 
He's had to deal with Kulisevsky being injured. He's had to deal with Richarlison really not being that good, I don't think. He's fine, but he I don't think he's ever going to be what we sort of hoped he was going to be. Um, he doesn't really stretch teams. He doesn't. I think he flatters to deceive a little bit. I think he's always going to be a little bit of a passenger, really. Does it remind? It reminds me a little bit, and this sounds harsh. It's going a bit early, but it reminds Ostiga. me a little bit <laughs> of when we signed Dempsey. Um, but Dempsey was good. Like Dempsey definitely contributed. Like you know, I think I think Dempsey also Dempsey wasn't anywhere near as much money. But I think Dempsey ended up being a, a sort of kind of a you know a worthy signing. He he was he turned out to be the player that that the Fulham fans sort of said that he was. He wasn't wasn't amazing, but he scored quite a lot of goals and he was he was fairly clutch in certain scenarios. He got a game against Manchester United. Yeah, brilliant in that game. But I, I don't... Charleston, I, I, I'm not completely sure he's going to get there. I just... I think we've been playing him out of position a bit as well there, haven't we? Kind of... Where, what what right. position is he... What Where should he play? I'd always sort of thought he was basically where Son plays between kind of left wing and a sort of backup striker or just as an outright striker, really. And I mean, he's obviously not going to play instead of Harry Kane, but I don't know. Maybe we're just not giving him the platform to be his best self. Some of the players are basically just there in the Conte team and the Conte set up really just to kind of give the opposition something to think about, to pull them out of position, to make them lose their shape a little bit earlier, to run them ragged, to make them always have to look over their shoulder, not quite sure where they are to pull centre-backs out of position to get the full-backs to kind of, you know, go up and occupy bits of ground which they, where they can't get back and defend. And Richarlison's meant to sort of do that. It's the stuff that he does off the ball and, you know, things he gives the opposition to think about more than anything else. And I don't think he does that. They just they just sort of don't really follow him a lot of the time. And then when he gets the ball into him, he sometimes is quite quick thinking. But I thought when we signed him, I thought, you know, particularly with the kind of emphasis on set pieces, which would be ridiculous. We seem to score most of our goals from them. I thought he would be a nightmare at corners. Do you remember with Everton when we played, you know, whenever we played against Richarlison, it would always look like they'd score from a corner, particularly in the last minute, that game where Son got sent off after kicking Gomez. Yeah, yeah. Where they equalised late on and it was just Richarlison's runs and just shoving people over the box. You're just like, oh, they're definitely going to score. And um, and they did, and and I think he, you know, he's one of those players that sort of brings a lot to the party without, you know, necessarily always having the ball. But I don't really feel like he's doing that for Tottenham now, and I'm I'm not totally com- like convinced that he's the answer. Son rediscovering his form probably is more of the answer. Yeah, I mean, let's hope so on that one. Um, if you had to say your player of the half season, who who are you going with? Is it Harry Kane? Twelve goals in what? However many games now? Sixteen no. games. It's Bentancourt. Bentancourt. Yeah, I just—I mean, Bentancourt actually, besides the two goals, had a weird, had a bit of a weird and slightly, by his standard, sloppy game against Leeds. But I think he is. Um, it would have been probably Kulusevski if he wasn't injured. Kane. I mean, you know, I think I think is obviously I wasn't going during the um, the great sort of push and run era of 1951. <laughs> But Kane's the best player in the club's history, so oh, yeah. he doesn't need to win any more awards. He's he's as good. He's a good. He's as good as well. He's not only as good as any player that we've ever had. He he must be in my eyes the best. I can't see how anyone could have been any better than him. But so he's got enough awards. I'm giving it to Bentoncourt. I think Bentoncourt is just such an interesting and odd 
player, but there are games where he's just like, God, he can do absolutely everything. We thought he was this ticky tacky sideways, exactly, yeah, like hold the ball neat and tidy merchant, but he is he is the closest thing we've had to Dembele. He, he's almost as well sometimes though in in gate and the way he moves around, kind of Berbatov esque as well. Yeah, this has been commented and. It, yeah, the the skill level is is unreal, and I think there were games like last season where the games sort of open up and you realise that they're letting Bentoncourt have the ball. Arsenal at home last season was very much like that, where you know they, we were under the caution then for about the first ten fifteen minutes or so, and then before the sending off, they just started letting Bentoncourt have the ball and carry it, and you're just like, oh, you idiots, you're in trouble now, and so it proved. I thought you know Bentoncourt and Sessegnon in that game were were incredible. I think Sessegnon has been a real disappointment this season started really well but has, has ended up being a little bit of a mess um and um uh yeah i, th- I to me it's to me it's bentoncourt i think i think he's he's just a lovely player he's such a tottenham player as well how have you felt about because i've been i would say to the side of negative on hoybier for most of his tottenham career so far but i feel like this year he's been pretty brilliant i mean the yeah. past few games he's been clearly knackered but He's. I think his his attitude is absolutely fantastic. His ability. I mean, he, he's sometimes a little bit like Ericsson because Ericsson's kind of simple passing sometimes was a bit odd, and then every now and again he'd pull a like a forward pass at the top draw yeah. with backspin on it, and you're like, oh, you can't not score there. So I think Hoiberg has been really good. What is weird is that that unit, that three five two unit, where it's Hoiberg, um, Bentoncourt, and Basuma, is it? And where Basuma joins them in the second half, that kind of like let in theory less less attacking um, formation that that Conte sometimes introduces around seventy minutes is a really really tight midfield unit that the opposition kind of really struggles to deal with that yeah. tactical change. If you start it, it's not very effective at all. And Basuma Basuma has been our substitute of the year. He, he comes on a sub and is brilliant. He starts games and he he's pony it's a bit like remember Chadley a few, yeah a few years back. I, I really like Chadley I mean I definitely think Basuma is like, there's definitely been flashes this season particularly Marseille away where you just think oh this is the bloke yeah that, he's really improving right tore us to pieces yeah but he they're working really well as, as a as a unit but only when um when Basuma joins them in the last 20 minutes after coming on a sub after we swap from 3-4-3 it doesn't it isn't a long-term solution to starting games that doesn't work Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash boast. Who's been your worst player of the half season so far, mate? I 
I'm not going to say Emerson Royale. Uh, Emerson Royale's probably given in the worst performance, definitely. Um, and we're not. I'm not going to. You know, enough people have debated on podcasts whether you should boo him or not, and I don't think you should. Although when I was about 13 or 14 in the 90s, I used to love booing players. <laughs> it's the main reason I went. But those players were legitimately crap. Totally better than goals. I used to love that, just that hatred of just being directed at your own players. But now I'm older. And anyone in particular sure. that you particularly disliked from Nethercott? I used to really have a go at Nethercott. You, you are woeful, Nethercott. I used to shout that from the shelf when I was like 13 uh, and 14. And I really blamed when when he didn't play very well in the 1995 uh, FA Cup semi final at Ellen Road when we lost 4 1 to. Uh, Everton, um, all the way home on the train, uh, I just bored everyone just saying, I told you that the cop was rubbish. I've been telling you for years and you didn't listen. And the joy that I got from that uh, is better than the Champions League semi-final. Um, but I, I don't know. I, to me, it's not the worst player. It's the most disappointing player. And I would say it's probably, besides Dyer, it's probably Sessegnon. I think Sessegnon... Has, has gone from being very underwhelming to being a player that I was just kind of thinking, God, there's really something here to having Saka in his pocket in the Arsenal game, yeah. being our best player in that Arsenal game. I thought, I just thought, you know, in that game, I was just like, he is, he's one of the most defensively solid left backs we've had in years. And then now he just seems to have kind of, he seems to now just lose confidence and run the ball out of play and be allowed to like, you know, be allowed to lack that level of confidence. Nottingham Forest away, he was just like, you know, he's trying to come off when he wasn't in, when he either was or wasn't injured, and it was just like you, you've got a, you've got to play better for me. I've driven here on the M1, and I've spent twenty quid on the ticket, and I had some disappointing chips <laughs> before I came into the ground, and now I'm starting to blame you for all those things. What were they like? Ice cream van chips, or was it from the stadium? No, it's from the. It was from the. Um, there was a huge queue uh, outside, just by the cricket ground, and I thought, big queue must mean legit chips. <laughs> and no, <laughs> I was very wrong on that front. My chip radar is really for in away grounds and northern and midlands towns is really good, but it was off on that night. It's done. Oh well, game's gone, mate. That's it. You know. It's... Yeah. Exactly. Uh, he, yeah, he is. It, it is funny because he he did step up when it mattered, Sessegnon. When yeah. Conte came in and obviously was pitting him and Reggion against one another, and as you say, from that point, this for large parts of this year, it just feels like again you're watching that kind of the player that always struggled to break into the team under Mourinho. Well, I mean, don't think he had the chance. I think was he on loan while Mourinho was here. Um, yeah, I think he was. I mean, the weird thing is like he's he's playing like a condemned man at the moment. And uh, <laughs> spoiler alert, he is a condemned man <laughs> because Destiny, what's his name, Adoji, is is going to be is going to have that role next season. Um, but you know, there's there's a weird th- sort of thing with Sessegnon where, to a certain extent, you just kind of think like you know Ben Davis's tradi- transition from left back to centre back has been a successful one. Um, uh, weirdly I could almost see Cesc becoming a ball playing centre back under Conte um, I mean probably a disastrous one but um, but I don't know I just think like particularly going forward he, he kind of isn't quite good enough given how much Conte asks for um, for you to do uh, and, and I think you know 
Royale is a bit similar, really. I mean, Royale, Royale has actually, I think, played very in a few games this season. Has played really well, like really well. And then, um, then there was the Leeds game, which was just like proper toe curler. I mean, it's not like you're saying about the booing players and stuff. It, it is a bit nasty, like when it because the thing is, like I said, my sort of stance on the whole like booing or not booing. I think my personal preference is that people don't really do it, but I'm not going to start policing other people and kind of coming out with these broad sort of stroke things that anyone that does that is fucking awful, the worst type of fan type stuff. But that kind of the personal attack really on a player, like with Emerson Morel, it is a bit ugly, isn't it? It's, it feels a bit grim to be doing that to him. Well, it's weird because it's like, I mean, I think first and foremost, we're, you know, we're fourth in the league um, and you know we, we haven't got that much to complain about but I think the football has been frustrating at various points this season and it's frustration that kind of motivates people to do this and also like I think you know some, I've listened to a few podcasts where people are just like think about what you're doing and so on and so forth but we're going to football matches we're not thinking about what we do ever the whole point is it's a visceral angry response an emotional response to something that's probably the biggest thing in our lives you can't like you know you can't rationalize about it you can't be rational about it so if people kind of their reaction is to boo or to scream or shout that's what happens like it is it is a game that provokes uh visceral reactions and and to a certain extent booing might be part of that i think it'd be better if we didn't do it to individual players but i was that guy once and i may well be that guy again so i'd like to reserve the right to still boo uh, certain players under certain circumstances um, and also I think you know to a certain extent people's expectations are raised we are paying a lot of money nowadays that does come down to it I think you know and we're treated like customers so this is kind of calling customer service a little bit and, and shouting um, at someone but um, and I also just think Emerson Royale is you know people just have to reach the top drawer they have to say you're the worst player I've ever seen in my life and he isn't the worst player Although that cross, which went backwards and almost started a counter attack <laughs> against Leeds, was one of the one of the worst things I've seen in a quite a while. And him twatting it right over the bar as well. Well, if scoring goals is hard, and I could do that, but I could hundred percent have given you a better cross than that. It really reminded me. Do you remember when? Um, do you remember in nineteen ninety three when um, uh, France was supposed to qualify for the World Cup? And the reason they didn't is because Ginola put a, a Ginola cross fucked it, so, it, didn't he? Yeah. yeah, it was such a bad cross that it started a counter-attack from Bulgaria. I think he never he never got another France cap after that, did yeah. he? Again, yeah. never again. I, I saw that video about five years ago and I watched it and I remember sort of like thinking, oh, this I think this is the video where, where Ginola doesn't play the ball out. But I didn't really remember how bad the cross was. And I was like, oh, fair enough, they didn't pick you again, you idiot. <laughs> Go and do a coffee advert. <laughs> Off to Spurs with you. Um, yeah, exactly. What would you like to see us add in January, Dan? We're talking about Conte getting a bit of money to spend. Because um, this is the thing, right? If, we, if we're if we worried about him leaving maybe at the end of the year, do you give him 150 mil to spunk on a load of players that are going to be players in his image? Yeah, I think he still won't be happy. But yeah, I think you do do that. I think you... Um, I think you... I think he, I think you should, I think we need to buy Bastoni if Bastoni will come to the club. Um, I'm not completely sure that he will, um, but I think you know there's players who uh, you know we were linked with um, who we didn't buy uh, centre backs in the summer, 
like Botman is a good example of that. Yeah. Oh my God, he's so good. He's and, brilliant, isn't he? Like, yeah, he's, he's really good. I mean, there, there's a lot of teams in the Premier League whose defenses are rock now. Like, and I think Newcastle like that. Weirdly, Everton's defense looked really, really solid <laughs> until they played us, and now they look rubbish again. But uh, I think Lissandro Martinez is so good that um, you know he's running that backline by himself. And actually, he didn't look very good at all when he first came into the Man United team. But you know, I went to Old Trafford um, that terrible game where we lost two 0 earlier in the season. And just watching Martinez policing Kane and Son together, you know, you don't often see a centre back marking two players, let alone two of the best players in Europe. It's funny, isn't it? It's gone a bit quiet in terms of like at first we're all quite triumphantly like we've got the better RG centre back, and now we've all sort of gone quiet on that one. Yeah. he looks he, really fucking good. He he is really good, and I think the you know the the people who've ended up buying and reinforcing and getting those expensive centre backs and trying to do the sort of defense wins championships thing are going to thrive. And as a result, really, we do need sort of an experienced. We started this season. I think I just thought we didn't necessarily need another centre back, and everyone was saying, "Oh, you're not going to get anywhere with Dyer, Davis, and Romero will be fine." And actually, all the people who made that criticism were right and I was completely wrong I think um, yeah we need more rotation we need another we need another kind of top quality centre back if we're even to finish fourth really Um, I think we need another attacking midfielder who can sit in front who can do really what Richarlison sort of was supposed to do but he Um, he doesn't want James Madison apparently you know this is well if he doesn't want him then he shouldn't buy him I think you know, I, I don't know. I, we, we, Madison's Madison's set pieces are absolutely incredible. Um, uh, but if he doesn't want him, we should we definitely shouldn't buy him. Um, but we have got incredible set pieces as it is. I think Perisic's set pieces are ridiculously good. Yeah. Uh, and and even Suns for some of the beginning of the season were, were very good as well. So I don't think we necessarily need another set piece merchant. But I would take uh, Rustan, whatever he's called, from Atalanta. Yeah. If, if, if that's who Ponte wants to, to give us a bit more dynamism. Um, and then I think, you know, a, in theory, a backup striker would be good. But Richarlison should, in theory, be able to do that. I think we're having, I think that third, you know, I think we're having to potentially buy someone because Richarlison isn't quite working out. If Richarlison does work out, then we don't need, don't need another player. And you're but, not, I think, but this is all stupid because half the team will get injured at the World Cup and, and we'll have to replace them. You're not keen on seeing Ndombele or Lacelso given their, their third or fourth chance? <laughs> Definitely not. Definitely not Did, did you them. see the other day people, they were like celebrating being like, this is what Tottenham let go. Because Ndombele completed 60 minutes for Napoli. And he did, yeah, he had, he had his typical kind of like nice touches and things like that, but... Until a fucking player can consistently give you ninety minutes a game, you, you, come on, man! It doesn't matter how like good his passing or his like close control can be in I've, these I've said brief this windows. Many, I've said this many times before, but I think like you know, Dombele and Dombele is like is like at his peak is like watching Gaza. Like it's unbelievable. He, you know, he he is that good, and like at his at, at the bottom. He is like watching Gaza now. Yeah. <laughs> he's he. What like just... in the, was it was it the first game at the lane when he came out onto the pitch about yeah, three yeah, minutes exactly or, or or even like further down than that even like Real Mo Chicken and Fishing World Gaza, um, but uh, it's yeah I, 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 there's there's no future for him he's had too many chances he's he 
he is legit the worst signing in the club's history because the money, not because the talent, the talent is 100% there. In in some aspects, one of the most talented players I've ever seen at Tottenham. But to no end, useless in the grand scheme of things because he doesn't, he, he won't do half of what the teams, and you don't need him anymore. You've got Bentoncourt, you've got Hoiberg and you've got Basuma. Why would you unsettle that team? And I don't, I, I don't think you don't, um, or that little kind of triangle. And I definitely don't think we need Lo Celso. Lo Celso is never going to work in the Premier League. I think it's a shame because he, you know, he's been good in the Spanish league, but, and he's injured now. Who knows? Everyone's going to come back from the World Cup injured. Absolutely everyone. It's shite, isn't it? So, yeah, <laughs> I love the World Cup. It just is same, but it's I don't know. I'm not. I'm not as excited about this. I, obviously, there's the the stuff off pitch, the things that are a bit of a cloud over the World Cup. But a large part of it for me as well. Is, just is, the it, is it a cloud? Is it a cloud though? Or, or because if you're referring to the paid supporters who've been bussed in from Pakistan to pretend they're Germany and England fans. Is that a cloud or is that awesome? Is that the best thing I've ever seen? I think it is. It, it is quite funny. At first, I was really like, fucking hell, this is like weird dystopian kind of, you know, visioning of somewhere else. But it's, it, it is actually quite funny, isn't it? Indian fans singing It's Coming Home is racist. The reason we're laughing at it is because it's a bit racist. Probably, yeah. It, it is <laughs> yeah, funny, you know. though. It is funny. And it's good that you can call that out. Not funny. No, you know. Yeah, but if you laughed at it, you can't say, oh, you shouldn't have done that because it is funny. It's funny. Like, I think I, it makes me want to go to Qatar, actually, and just hang out with these England ultras <laughs> from... From from Bangalore and Uttar Pradesh, teaching uh, you know them what? how to chuck plastic garden furniture and stuff like that. Hundred percent. This is not a very well formulated thought, so it's not going to make any sense. But do you know what? If I was offered, because since everyone's up for sale nowadays and there's a recession on, if me and Tim were offered, like, by the Qatari government, oh, people are criticising these fans, and they're like, you're the authentic face. Of, of fan culture not that we are or thought that way but you're the authentic face of fan culture in Britain can you come and legitimise these England fans to make them seem like they're real fans and do like a video where they go to like Qatari Weatherspoons and get on the bag at 11 o'clock <laughs> <laughs> I'd 100% do that I'd do it right away I'd do it right away <laughs> Proper fans, <laughs> naughty. They're proper, proper naughty fans. Get them all stick at ten German bombers and yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dance around with pints on their heads and shit. Yeah. Get, get them to sing a really out of tune version of No Surrender. It doesn't even make any sense. And they keep they keep forgetting who, they keep forgetting which Republican army they're supposed to be singing uh. about. Um, <laughs> I, I would definitely do that. Definitely, uh. and it wouldn't it wouldn't even take much money. No, yeah. You, what would you? Would it be a side project from away days, or do you think you would incorporate no, it under that banner? Uh, it would be under the away days banner. I would sell out for not even much money, but it would be away day. Guitar is great addition. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, moving on from um, Qatari away days, let's have some predictions for a second. Let's end it on a on a slightly lighter note. Dan, who who's going to win the Champions League for you? How are Tottenham going to do in the Champions League, first of all, and who's going to win it? I think we'll probably make it through next round. Um, I hope we do, anyway, because uh, I've been to Milan before and I'm determined to 
I'm going again for some stupid reason. And um, yeah, so I hope we make it through this round. Depends who we get, but I think maybe, yeah, maybe out in the round of uh, the quarterfinals. It's about to call it the round of eight, but that's what they want us to call it. Um, so yeah, probably out in the quarterfinals. Um, who's going to win it? I've got a funny feeling Man City finally will. Finally. But Man City or PSG somehow are never going to ever win anything. So, But I, I've got a funny feeling it will be Man City finally. It's the only thing because there's just so many English clubs in the competition that we're going to get eliminated by one of them. That's that's generally how I always feel about it. It's going to be we're going to draw fucking Liverpool or Manchester City next, and I kind of fancy us to beat Liverpool. Really? Of. Yeah, we never beat, just we beat never us. beat Liverpool ever. No, I know, but it's going to happen. It's it's going to happen once every twenty years, and and uh, it'll it'll be then. But um, yeah, I think I think it'll be Man City um, to win it. But then that'll be a stupid prediction because they'll screw it up again somehow. Prem- Where will Spurs finish in the Premier League and who will win the Premier League? I think we'll finish fourth. I think we could finish third. Um, I think City will win it. Um, so you're not worried about them? I'm fucking worried about Arsenal doing it, you know. Uh, I, I think they probably don't quite have the squad, but um, that defence is... They're built on very solid foundations. Saliba's they're, unbelievable, isn't they're it? A very good team. Well, I think I think there's. I mean, Ben White's good as well. Like yeah. he's. I do think Gabriel's a bit dodgy. I think he's got a dodgy moment in him. He certainly has, but I think a lot of defenders do. But I think Ben. You know, I kind of just think sort of what they've done with Ben White is kind of what we should be starting to think about doing with our right back, really, because it's like you know he gets forward. His his balls into the box are not too bad at all. Um, yet he sort of looks immobile. Uh, and and slow because he's tall and English and you just kind of underestimate him, but he is uh, he he is good. You know they are they are good. I think they'll finish second, uh, and I think they'll fall away relatively quickly after the World Cup and finish strong. If Arsenal's previous form is anything to go by, but it's definitely a much better Arsenal team than the previous years where they they seem to do the same thing under Arteta, you know, over and over again. And I think. They're, yeah, they you know they are they are good. They do have the players, but they've only got like fourteen of them. That's annoying, isn't it? Um, can you see Spurs doing anything in the FA Cup? We're never going to win a trophy again in my lifetime. So it does feel that way, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm only planning to live five years longer, so don't get too gutted, everyone. Um, <laughs> you know, once I'm gone, the floodgates will open. But um, yeah, I I don't know. I think. I don't think well, I don't I, I don't fancy us to win the FA Cup. I fancy us to sort of like have a bit more staying power in the league, but I'm not too sure that I think Conte's not is good at knockout football. Did you see that? Um, a guy just on the note about Tottenham winning stuff and floodgates. I don't know if you ever saw this. It was it was a few years, so three or four years ago. A guy <laughs> simmed about a thousand seasons, I think, a football manager, and in that time, Spurs won the league only three times. Which, oh my god, that's scientific. Which is uh, a, well, you know, they've predicted the World Cup. They said that Argentina are going to win the World Cup because of FIFA as well, and FIFA has correctly predicted the last four World Cups. So, I know. do think Argentina is going to win um, the World Cup. Although it's, the other day, it's bent, in though, a, isn't it? They, it is. There's definitely going to be money behind Messi winning it. A hundred percent. I think the yeah, that is true. Actually, God, I'm going to put money. On. So, here's a stupid bet that I put on the other day. Uruguay to win it and do you know why I bet on them Ben Tanker because <laughs> he exists 
was it. That was the reason. It's not. It's not a good bet. Not that's not going to win. They've got a really tough route to the final. A final they won't even get to. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I don't really bet very often on sports, but I did bet uh, in twenty sixteen on Brexit, and I made loads of money. And then I rolled it over into Trump, and I made loads of money. And I've still got the the vast majority of that money in a savings account. And then I bet on the following election in twenty seventeen. Uh, and put about two, 250 quid on a hung parliament and that one as well. Um, uh, so I went through a period, of, I, I won a lot and I've only probably lost about a thousand of that five and a bit grand, I think it was that I won. Um, and I've done that all through betting on football and none of that has ever come in. So don't bet on stuff, people. And football's ever. just too unpredictable, isn't it? That's, it that's... is. And also like just the other thing, you know, betting is on the whole bad. And I think we should all, as football fans, be angry about like the grip that bet betting and gambling has really got on our sport because it's constantly presented as being a little bit of fun. But you know, tonight after I finish this podcast, my my Thursday nights are spent um, working for a, um, or a volunteering at a um, homeless charity that goes around central London. I've been doing it for like ten or eleven years. Now, and it's a vital part of my week. I love it. And I, I've got lots of friends um, uh, as part of the service and on the streets. Uh, but the demographic of people on the streets now in London has changed significantly. And you can kind of sort of say, oh, well, it's Brexit, or you can say it's austerity, or you can say it's kind of housing issues. Um, but, you know, before, it, we used to see a lot of kind of complex issues, mental health needs. Um, we used to see a lot of uh, addiction to drink and drugs in central London. Now you meet a lot of people on the services who kind of seem for want of a better word normal which is a stupid word and shouldn't really use it and almost all of those people although we don't ask we don't try to rehabilitate rehabilitate we don't uh pry into into their lives how they got there it's irrelevant it doesn't matter providing the conversation sandwich and tea but the vast majority of those people have been sent to the streets by online gambling that's pretty the mad. vast majority uh and i think there's that People don't. People just don't get that, that, or they're in denial about it. That we just kind of think sort of booze and uh, hard drugs will do that to people, but there's, there's definitely another force that is very, very powerful that's doing it as well. What's the name of the charity you work for, Dan? Simon Community. We're the oldest dedicated homeless charity in uh, London. Um, but I, when I was doing the last couple of away days, uh, I did ask people to kind of give to the Simon community in order to do the last, one of the last away days. And people were very, very, very generous. I think they were sponsoring me to run a marathon and um, and they were very generous. So, yeah, if you can, we're 100% donation run. We get no private funding. Uh, we get private funding, but we get no central government funding or council funding at all because we don't appreciate the uh, compromises that require us uh, to get that money, which effectively is to keep tabs uh, and um, details of, of the people that we serve, and we don't believe that's fair. Um, uh, so we're 100% donation run. So if you want to uh, ever chuck us a couple of quid, you can do it by Just Giving or you can do it by simoncommunity.org.uk. Or if you want to volunteer, come join. Just before I let you go, Dan. Is Harry Kane going to catch the monster that is Erling Haaland and win the golden boot? Because it feels like he's got the bit between his teeth this year. I don't think that matters, really. The big thing is that we're going to 
see Jimmy Greaves's record beaten, which was a you know you used to open football books when you're a kid, and and just be like, oh well, that was that that record was run up at a time when the goalkeeper was used to smoke and the the ball was made out of a sort of plastic bag with sand in it, you know it wasn't real football, and so the idea that somebody would score 266 goals before moving on, we always just used to be like, oh well, well done Jimmy, but you know. It's not. It's not the. Re- it's not the real, real thing. It's the Premier League now. Um, the fact that Harry Kane's going to do that, and he's going to do it probably by February, and he's going to do it before his thirtieth birthday, is something I never thought in my life I would ever see. That's what I care about. I don't care whether he kind of makes the golden boot or whether he's better than Haaland or not. That we don't need to always sort of say who's better. This is this is a player that I will. I don't have children, so I have to tell other people's grandkids about this. Um, but th- this is a player that we'll tell, uh, you know, the, the future generations about. You know, we got to see this. I saw almost all of Harry Kane's goals for Tottenham in the flesh, and um, I saw the I saw four of the best passes I've ever seen in my life. Two in the same game. Um, Aston Villa away. Or... <laughs> no, actually Everton. Everton in the uh, Everton in the. Um, in the league during the Wembley season, oh, yeah. the way, way he, it, he brings it down and then hits this weird kind of backspin shot with the outside of his uh, pass to the outside of his foot and releases Son. It's the best. That's the best pass I've ever seen. Um, but um, yeah, I, I I just think he's you know praise his name. We're gonna feel it when he's gone, aren't we? That's that's the main thing. Don't be. Uh, don't be sad that you've lost him just be happy that he'd lived or something that sounds like a Nicholas Sparks novel but um, just be but, happy that he scored loads of goals yeah who knows I think I think he'll you know I think he'll stay a couple more years but he's, tw- he's still 29 like you know he can still operate at a high level he doesn't seem to be getting injured at the same rate that he used to um, I hope he just gets gets through this World Cup because if he doesn't if he, if he gets injured oh lord we All the predictions are out the window. We can't even sign Ivan Tony as a backup now as well, which I was kind of hoping for. So I've got to say that the meming of Ivan Tony's misfortunes <laughs> every now and again, again an event unites the internet community. <laughs> and all of the kind of Ivan Tony's reactions to X, Y or Z, whether it's John Fury or that kind of weird uh, song or... It just is amazing. It's like I've been laughing. Um, I've had work to do today, but I've been laughing at the Ivan Tony memes very hard all day. Um, yeah, you can see why Southgate didn't pick him now. But also, gambling is bad, so don't do it. But at the end of the day, you've got to back yourself. And that's what Tony did. <laughs> <laughs> Every day for five years. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free.
That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.